I mean, the guy that Dick Cheney shot in the face didn't take a fucking bump like that. <laughs> but he's old as shit. In Christ, I mean, Muda got disqualified. Dick Cheney got away with it. So come on. Yeah. I believe we have found our cold open. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> like, not only. <laughs> Not only did Dick Cheney get away with it, that dude apologized for getting in the way of Dick yeah. Cheney shooting his gun. That's the best part about that shit. Yeah. I mean, those guys used to hunt with Bobby Knight, who's also shot a man. None of this is out of the ordinary. So, yeah. You know, yeah. It's all on task. It hurt to get shot by Bobby Knight because you got all those tiny little chairs coming out of the gun and hitting <laughs> you. And, you know, those things fucking hurt, right? Right across the free throw worst. line. Yeah. Pop, pop, pop. the world's worst hollow point right there. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody, to the Other Ship Podcast. Thank you whenever, wherever you're listening, for beaming aboard with us. We are cooler than any NFL referee in a Kansas City-Buffalo game, and we're happy to be here. Tonight, we're covering what used to be the granddaddy of them all. We're going to talk about Starcade 88 to 2000 and probably a lot of stuff in between. I am your host, Chris Spiker, and with us tonight is Drew Fassar jones Hello, everybody. We have... The happiest nut on this side of the nut house, Michael T.S. Herrick in the house. Happy birthday. And finally, our special guest this evening, the Shelby Sledgehammer, the Cheerwine champion, Travis Reigns. How you doing, buddy? What's going on? We're happy to have you. Thanks for joining us here on our discussion of the former December Spectacular. Yeah, I guess you could call it a spectacular. I mean, we're going to get into it. Sometimes it was and sometimes it wasn't, especially in the late years. After 97, it all went downhill because... 97 was the first nail in the coffin for WCW, but we'll get into that. We're talking about Starcade after the Thanksgiving years, after the Survivor Series 87 pretty much steamrolled Starcade 87. They went to around Christmas time, which being a young wrestling fan like Travis and I were both being born in 85. Travis, did you always think that Starcade was a Christmas time thing or did you know that it was Thanksgiving before 88? I always kind of remember it being the December pay-per-view. Exactly. Yeah, it was kind of your like year-end wrap-up. I know we're the younger ones on the call here, and Drew and Michael probably remember it differently. Guys, let's just start, maybe talk about 88 a little bit, which is actually a pretty fun show. Drew, do you have any thoughts and memories about Starcade 88? Well, just the lead-up to it. And the reason that it was in December was because Vince assassinated Starcade on Thanksgiving night, and he just annihilated them and basically held cable companies hostage, saying, if you don't, I mean, they were coming off of WrestleMania 3, they were the hottest ticket around, and he was able to tell them, if you don't just play our show, you won't get the next WrestleMania, and they wanted that rating. So basically, yeah, that was the nail <laughs> for Starcade right there, getting moved. And to me, it became like the blow-off show like travis said you know it's at the end of the year when they blew off a bunch of their feuds and it didn't i mean for me like other shows like slamboree and super brawl carried just as much weight as starcade did 
and Halloween Havoc also. But Stargate was a good show. But the run up for 88 after it was determined at the time, I think that was right at the time when the sale happened from JCP to Ted. That was when Dusty did the angle on TBS with the spike with the Warriors. And basically he was fired. And Stargate 88 was his last showdown. Basically his last card that he was in control of that I'm aware of anyway. Jamie might have a little more knowledge in that regard. I know he was really into it at that point. But yeah, 88, a lot of good matches on that card. Rick Steiner winning the TV title for Mike Rotundo. That was an awesome match. And they had a great feud and another great match at the Chi-Town Rumble. But that was a great match. It stood out to me on the card. And, geez, what else did I have wrote down? Wyndham and Bigelow had a great match, about 20 minutes. Just two big dudes doing cool shit, man. It was a great match. Lots of good stuff. The Fantastics, great stuff. Great card. Uh, You forgot the Fantastics are wearing the Duncan Hines official uniform for the 88 show. I'm going to need about 15.50. I just think of like Starcade 88 as the last kind of the uh, traditional Starcades. Yeah, the Battle of the Midnights. The Midnights wrestled on this one, didn't Which they? Was a, yep. Yes, I was just about to that say that. another good match. match yeah, another good classic NWA match. Yeah, because it, it kind of really is. It follows that same trend that Starcade had been, which is just a bunch of good like big matches. Matches people wanted to see, and you kind of change it over to the tournament and everything in 89 and kind of go off the rails there for a while. But it's a really great show. Like you said, that Steiner and Rotunda match is great. Bam, bam, kind of prime. Bam, bam, and Barry going at it was fucking great. And the whole Midnight's thing was... That was a great blow-off, really, to kind of see Paul get his as well. Yeah, because, I mean, you build up to that. I mean, they... Conrad and Rose came back earlier in 88 with Paul Lee and that it was the first time I think you really saw Paul Lee come out and be him. And it's like, who's this twat? And all of a sudden here comes Cornette going, you're not taking my spot. And he's right. I mean, no one could ever be Jim Cornette, at least manager wise. Basically, the end of that feud, though, was there at Starcade because, like, two months later, Conjury be gone by yeah. the Shytown Rumble because, basically, they just buried the feud. Who replaced it was Randy Rose and Jack Victory yeah. against the, yeah, it was, it was him and Jacko against the Midnights and the Loser Leaves Town match, and you kind of saw that coming. The matches that you guys have mentioned already, Steiner Rotunda was fantastic, and the crowd pop for Rick Steiner winning the TV title was fucking yep. huge. He yep. was so over. They were so ready for him to win. The Wyndham Bam Bam match was a damn good match, and it's just so disappointing that this was the second chance in the two big companies in the, about a year's time that yep. Bam Bam had lined up to be a big player, potentially, and it went nowhere for, I assume, attitude issues both yeah. times. I, mean, I know that was the issue in WWF, but... I mean, he and Wyndham put on a hell of a match here for a guy. I don't think Bam Bam had been in the company that long, had he? I don't think so. And he could have been huge for them going forward. So it's disappointing that that didn't play out differently. And then, obviously, Luger should have won. Yep. Luger should have took the belt off of Flair. It's like, I don't get it. I know Flair had promised to drop the belt to Sting eventually or whatever. That wasn't for another year and a half. I don't understand why they didn't have Luger take the belt here. And he was hot. The crowd was ready for him. You strike when the iron's hot, and that's probably when it was the hottest for Luger. I don't think he ever got quite back to that point at any time after this. And one little thing that stuck out to me was Flair missed the Ray Stevens bump twice in this match where Luger, 
I don't know if Luger threw him in too hard. Flair couldn't get up and over in time because they did it once and Flair completely, like he slammed his shoulder into the turnbuckle and I thought he had hurt himself at first. And then they went back to it a little bit later and he still couldn't rotate and get over. But uh, just a missed opportunity that could have been big for the company, I think. I think Flair might have been working a little bit of a power play there also because the company had just sold and the people who are transitioning into control don't know shit from Shinola except that Rick's the champion and they're going to ask him, what should we do? We just fired the guy that does all this. <laughs> I should be the champion going forward. They hired a pepperoni expert is what they did. So that's a good question. Was Dusty already fired at this point? Because he's on the show. I've read it was like basically after the TBS taping when they did the spike, he was told you finish up at whatever, you know, they give him like notice. I'm pretty sure they let him do the tag team match, and I'm pretty sure that was it. And he was even kind of like, I, he might have been the reason for the tag team match, but I thought that he was such an afterthought to how hot Sting was at that point, and him going toe-to-toe with the Road Warriors, which, talk about ill-fated heel pushes, and you build a program with just them versus Sting, I think they would have been heels, but then you had people that were so staunchly behind them that it wasn't well, going to work. To me, Warriors, you got one time that you can turn them. <laughs> and once you start turning them a bunch of times, it's just once they're over, they're over. They're good guys, no matter what, how they behave. I think you could have turned the Road Warriors heel at this point, but the problem was the fans were over Dusty. And he wouldn't accept that. He thought that turning on him, attacking him, would put them over more than anything. And that's not the situation yeah. in 88. Wasn't strong enough babyface to no. do it anymore. And it's too bad that he didn't understand where things actually stood with his popularity and where he needed to be on the card. I get you've got to have a lot of ego to be in that kind of position in the first place and carry yourself at the top for a long time. But he should have been two years removed from being in the main events by this point and he just kept doing it do you think dusty saw himself through gorilla monsoon's rose colored glasses yes yeah it's just like man you don't belong up here now you should be in the mid card teaming with a young guy that you're gonna turn on or he's gonna turn on you or something you're not main event level anymore and but you can still give somebody the rub right 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 but i don't think he really wanted to give anybody the rub either no. You don't want to he was too busy rubbing himself, is what it was. <laughs> he was stroking his own ego. Smack it, flip it, rub it down. Yeah. Bad he was bad. mashing it. That's what he was doing. He was taking his <laughs> ego and he was mashing it. Mashing. Yeah. <laughs> Dusty the snail. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, now I can't unsee that. Him and his muffler. Yeah, kid. I'm a snail. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all the consensus of Flair and Luger, though. Great match, shitty ending. And it just kind of stopped, too. That was like the worst yeah. part. Like, I just, I just, watching the matches, guy that was supposed to blade didn't blade where the shit, right? Well, you and know. shitty ending. That's the WCW pay per view way, right? Is to leave them yeah. heading oh. home bitter. Let's get them out the door fucking <laughs> salty as shit. Let's do that. <laughs> what should we do for the main event? How about a popcorn fart? Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. That would happen plenty of years later on in the annals of Starcade. Yeah. 
that's an overall WCW problem. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah, it is. <laughs> Especially throughout the 90s, it is. How can we fuck the audience over while they're heading out the door? According to Wikipedia, there was a bunkhouse battle royal dark match. That The way this is listed, it took place after Blair and Luger. Can you imagine, after seeing that main event, wanting to stick around for a battle royal that was won by JYD? Yes. And he eliminated Abdullah at the end. Yeah. Those two I are the, like, you stick around, you see Luger lose, and then you stick around for that bunkhouse stampede, and you get JYD and Abdullah as the final two, twisting the knife that they just stuck into your back. Which, speaking of Abdullah, on our Facebook group earlier, and I'm sure you all saw it, somebody on this call has offered their arm for a oil painting of Abdullah. Dude, that that painting is awesome. So if you know somebody's art is fucking full of hubris, it's amazing. Like a pain of Vigo, kind of. <laughs> so if you know a good artist and want a human arm, talk to our boy, Drew. Yeah, if everybody's an artist and can just recreate that for me, I don't want to buy it or nothing, but I'll totally take it for free. <laughs> and give you one of his appendages. Yeah, a proverbial so, arm, in the words yes. of proverbial. Yeah. Hey, you got I four mean, kids, you can get one from somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah, somebody's got an arm. They grow yeah, back. only need one. <laughs> so that's 88 so we're going to move on to 89 with the Future Shock tournament. So I know while the tournament's a cool idea and I get it, I think it would have been better suited for the clash of the champions. And honestly, and, you know, this is up for debate, of course, I would put Flair and Funk's I Quit match as the main event at Starcade 89. That would have been good, yeah. I don't know about a clash. I think you could have made this a standalone pay-per-view akin to King of the Ring later on. Yeah, but yeah. I just, you know, it's not like a Starcade though. Like, no, I mean, you could have built up. done it sometime in 90, early 90. It would have worked. But it was more storyline driven at this point and setting up Sting to join the Horsemen and then get turned on and challenge Flair. So while it doesn't fit with what Starcade had always been, it's an underappreciated show in my opinion. And at least least they did it for a reason because they were going somewhere with what they were doing here which got to give them credit they were not great at planning ahead very well so this was one of the few times where they actually came up with a decent plan and followed through sting just got doug dillinger and let's just be real and i think michael pointed it out either in the group or on a past show the best moment of the show is luger taking a death bump from muda's mist <laughs> yes he does he he takes a great missed bump. That's like a hundred star bump if I ever saw one from. Takes it like a shotgun blast to the face. Yeah. <laughs> the closest equivalent I could think of to that was the one Cody Rhodes just took last night against Nakamura, which is pretty damn impressive. I mean, the guy that Dick Cheney shot in the face didn't take a fucking bump like that. <laughs> but he's old as shit. And Christ, I mean, Muda's got disqualified. Dick Cheney got away with it. So come on. Yeah. I believe we have found our cold open. <laughs> Yeah, no. Like, not only, not only Dick Cheney get away with it. That dude apologized for getting in the way of Dick yeah. Cheney shooting his gun. That's the best part about that shit. Yeah, I mean, those guys used to hunt with Bobby Knight, who's also shot a man. None of this is out of the ordinary. So yeah, you know, yeah. it's all on task. It hurt to get shot by Bobby Knight because you got all those tiny little chairs coming out of the gun and hitting <laughs> you. And, you know those things fucking hurt, right? Right across the free throw line. Yeah, it's the world's worst hollow point right there. Yeah. <laughs> so tournament-wise, you had Sting, Muda, Luger, and Flair, arguably the four most over dudes. And then tag team-wise, you had the Road Warriors, the Steiners, which I think 
I'm pretty sure this was the first ever meeting on the show between the Road Warriors and Steiners, and they did it the best way they possibly could without making one of them look weak, obviously, because the Warriors lost. I still can't believe to this day that Doom did not win a match on that show at all. I'm okay with it. They did clean jobs for everybody, for the most part. I think they lost once by DQ. Yeah, they lost to the Steiners by count out. Just to prove how over they are, they jobbed everybody on the show, lost their masks, and they still wound up being tag champs without masks. They didn't look weak in any of their yeah, matches. They, yeah, they, have, they had staying power. Yeah. You had to be bad to beat them. And then the Samoans, I think they were subbing for the skyscrapers. Yeah, Sid was which, injured. I mean, this pay-per-view could have been a disaster if the skyscrapers would have worked because they, they wouldn't would. put anybody over. Who knew there was a winner's softball league, right? hey somewhere warm they're playing ball indoors they play it indoors and i know that uh, always said he pitched the midnights being in this and being the team to lose every match because hurt hated him anyway i actually think these four teams work better because they were all just big strong brawling sons of bitches that could go out and just beat on each other i think as good as the midnights were and they would have had good matches with everybody i think it just worked better with these four teams but Fournette said something during the show like they wanted the midnight express in but i told them no like i wasn't going to put my guys through this they're going to come out of this fresh and all these top teams are going to be beat up we'll be able to take advantage of that mark yeah Yeah, to Mike's point earlier about maybe making this a different show, it's basically the scoring and the matchup-wise, it's basically the same as like the Champions Carnival or the Grand Prix for New Japan and All Japan. Make it its own show, and you already named it Future Shock. Make that the name of the pay-per-view. And this is at a time when you were filling the calendar with new pay-per-views. It would have been a perfect concept that they could have done like Battle Bowl or something like that, you know? Especially if you use that Future Shock name and use it to promote young talent instead of, you know, having like Flair in there. You could still have like your world title match on that show too as like your main event or something. But you could have four young teams, four young singles guys that are working their way up that are in like that upper mid card ready to go to the main event level and have them be the ones in there fighting for that title shot that they haven't had before. Okay, let's take that for a second. Pick four guys at the end of 89 that you would put into that because I can tell you who I would have and who should have probably won the whole thing. Before we go into that, I was just going to point out that the way that they booked the singles side, for sure, was just like the Japan way, where the champion doesn't win the tournament, but he doesn't lose the belt and he doesn't look weak at all. And his losses are by a double count out or a DQ, something that doesn't matter. It doesn't hurt him. But then the guy who's next in line wins the tournament and becomes like the next heir to the throne. And I believe Luger finished above Flair, too, but because Muda's the only he jobbed out to everybody also yeah. on the single side. Well, but yeah, I think he same way, he looked really strong in all of his losses. I mean, he kills Lex Luger. I don't know how Lex recovered <laughs> from that to fucking <laughs> continue on that night, but Jesus Christ, he... <laughs> Just no. went back, changed the neon, back to the ring. A lot of neon for Luger on this night. Yeah, a lot of adjusting. A lot of adjusting. <laughs> the only thing screaming more than his clotheslines was his wardrobe. The total uh, repackage. Yeah. Let's go back to the idea that Mike had. And I actually like this idea now that you threw it out there. You take four young guys who, you know, mid-card level, and you put them in the same type of round-robin scenario. I'll tell you who my number one pick would be, and I think this would be a perfect way to shoot him into the stratosphere, even though slowly working up to there, would be Brian Pillman. He's one of my four, yeah. Even what you could do is you could 
open up like a wild card spot where you wild still card. have four tag teams on the pay-per-view, but you have like a tournament leading up to that on Saturday night and even have like the final of that to get the wild card spot the night before Starcade. Right. So I would go Pillman. I would still have Sting and Muda because while they've been in the main event scene, they haven't been like true main event players. And then my fourth would be Cactus, and I would have him win like your wild card spot. Like he won the tournament to get in. And I mean, I know Flair wouldn't have gone for it, but that's what I would do. And I would probably have Muda come out the winner, but Pillman would be a fine choice too to kind of shoot him up the card. Pillman was there in 89. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about yeah, uh, Marcus Alexander Bagwell being the number one rookie in Future Shock 91, 92, 93, and 94. Yes. <laughs> Maybe even yes. 95. You never yeah. Know. <laughs> Future Shock 99. Got that young up and comer, Buff Bagwell, hitting the ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the thing is, they don't really have much youth on the tag team side at this point. No. I mean, the dynamic dudes. No. That's not going to work. So you probably couldn't do a lot different. You, know, you could sub in the Midnights, and you could maybe have... I mean, honestly, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the tag team one. I mean, I think that would work better the way it was. The ideal thing would be just to either do a singles or do a tag team. Like, you could work that into a clash if it was just a singles tournament or just a tag team. But right. to try to fit both of those into one. But if you could do, like, an eight-man singles tournament where you have two, like, you still do the round-robin tournament, but the leader of each of their tournaments at the end of their three matches goes on to the main event and wrestles the winner of the other round-robin tournament. Right. You're talking about a lot of matches, though, when you do that kind of tournament. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not a bad show. Not at all. I just don't know if it fit the Starcade ideal. Yeah. And I know we're going to kind of pass on it, but that's even with, like, the Battle Bowl. Great concept. Yeah. It should be its own thing. Exactly. For more than a year. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Which, note to listening on, so I forgot to mention in the intro, we will be skipping over 91 and parts of 92 because we're going to do a Battleball episode at some point in the new year because we're all quite fond of Battleball 93. And I feel it's worthy of a discussion all itself because it was a fun concept. There's a lot of fun ideas coming out, especially some points in the 91 show, but it's going to merit its own discussion. We have enough to talk about here. That being said, I mean, any other closing thoughts before we head on to Starcade 90? I thought all the finishes were booked pretty well and they all pretty much made sense. A show like this just basically suffered from lack of time for some of the matches. Well, and you had a lot of matches go almost to the time limit, too. And a lot of those matches kind of drug on a little bit. Then you kind of had the obvious finish with Flair and Sting, where it's less than 30 seconds and Flair's going for the figure four. And you know Sting is just going to roll them up. And yeah. But hey, at least he didn't get rolled up from behind. Okay. Yeah, he got small packaged. Yep. Section 11, subparagraph E. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Starkey 90 is definitely a mixed bag because there's some good stuff in this show and then there's some stuff that it's like why the opener is really good i mean i'm a big fan of bobby eaton to begin with but i'll always take a bobby eaton singles match you also have sandwiched in here and again this is a good idea but i don't think it got the proper time of the execution especially if you got like 15 matches on the show was the pat o'connor senior memorial tag team championship of doom tournament or whatever it was called with all these teams, and admittedly, and I think 
I said it to Drew or something like that. At some of these times, like Chris Adams and Norman Smiley versus Mysterio and Cody, could have been a freaking banger. And even in the second round with the Steiners against Cody and Mysterio, would have been probably really damn good. But again, you're having three, four minute matches here and not really giving any of these guys time to shine. And again, they kind of telegraphed who was going to win because the crowd knew Muda. You know, they kind of knew Saito from his AWA time. And of course, and the McDonald's. Team. They knew him from McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> and Steiners ain't losing shit, especially none of these guys, especially when your one team has Flyboy Rock a Rock before he became Flyboy Rock a Rock. But the dude, Tommy Mondor or some shit was a guy from the Team Canada, Tony Mondor. No, wasn't he one of the South African dudes? Yeah, no, that, was, that was Captain DeClerc. One of them was Rocco Rock. Colonel DeClerc was Rocco Rock. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. To me, this was like, why didn't we just do the Crockett Cup again and do it in a separate show? Because not only are you shoehorning in, what, seven matches for this tournament in amongst seven other matches for your pay-per-view, you're bringing in people that no one knows. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't watching WCW at this point, the weekly TV. Was there any buildup for any of these teams that weren't on the roster? I mean, to the point where anybody was going to give a shit? No buildup matches, but they would do like the Starcade Control Center update. Right. <laughs> Tony nice. Mondor is going to be here. And everybody. <laughs> yeah. Again, just do this on a separate show. Don't shove this into the middle of Starcade. Because yep. it really just made it feel weird. Any NWA affiliation left at this time? I don't believe so. Yeah. So I, I was wondering if it might have been uh, an obligation to the Alliance, if they were still members, to put like some of the guys from these other promotions on a show. Uh, this is kind of when they started their like Japan relationship, too, right? Kind of around that time. Maybe. I may be yeah. way off on that. No, because I think the first super show they did with New Japan was 91. Yeah, with Fujinami. Yeah. yeah, that would have been early 91. It wasn't until 93 that WCW withdrew from the NWA and like the belt got split off. Okay. So they were still affiliated with the NWA at this point. I think at that point, that while there was still a governing body for the NWA, it wasn't anything like it sort of became again later where they had issue with what WCW was doing. And about as much meaning as Jack Tunney. I think it was really they just wanted to do this tournament or whatever, and I don't understand why. They had to get the love child of Freddie Mercury and Borat on the screen somehow, right? <laughs> yeah, the Russian dude. <laughs> Which one he was that? Was that he wanted uh, to break free, man. It was like Moscow <laughs> <and> Hudson. <laughs> yeah. Was that Zangief or yeah. Hashimokov? Yeah. yeah, don't stop him now, though, right? <laughs> yeah. He wants to ride his bicycle. Yeah. <laughs> Wherever he likes. But you got to, I mean, you got to wear a helmet when you ride a bike. Just substitute one of the Russian guys with a giant bear. I mean, come on. I mean, it was a couple years before Tracy Smothers wrestled a bear, but. Tony Mondor didn't stand a chance against those Russians. It's almost like they brought the Russians in just to job them out before the USSR just <laughs> basically imploded, right? <laughs> like, we got to job them out one more time, right? They we got to do it. And it's also a reminder to those that knew or forgot that at, at one point, Norn Smiley was a fantastic technical wrestler although rewatching it recently i was like man can you imagine him coming out in hockey gear running away from the steiner brothers if that had been imagine him coming out in full on hockey gear running screaming from scott steiner i would is norman still a trainer at nxt 
I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I mean, if not, that's a huge mistake. He's Marvel, man. If not, that's a huge mistake because dude is hella talented. Internationally renowned. Yes. Here's the thing. There's some other really good stuff on the show. I mean, the tournament final with the Spiders versus Mood and Saeed Obaf Short, very good. Doom against Anderson and Wyndham is actually really good in my mind. And for the second year in a row, Starcade Black Sugar damn near dies because he's in a board match with Stan Hansen. Then we get to the Black Scorpion bullshit. <laughs> <sighs> Mike, hook up the microphone. <laughs> I got to remember which button it is. Hang on. <laughs> is this it? No. Nope. <laughs> is this it? <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> Sting. Do you remember 1986? That was when the McDLT came out. They were keeping the hot side hot and the cold side cold. That's right. Credit card? You got it. George Costa yeah. had hair in the commercials. Too. That, that did sound like Kevin using the talk boy in Home Alone 2. Yeah. But yeah. We actually just rewatched that today. That's why it was fresh in my mind. The Black Scorpion thing was so terrible. And I didn't remember this, but they really graphed that it's Flair because, well, the contract with Doom didn't say it was Arn and Flair. They just said the Horsemen. So it's going to be Arn and Wyndham now. Gee, I wonder why Flair's not wrestling in the tag match. Mm. You know, put that that match earlier in the show and have Flair wrestle in it to at least make it seem like he's wrestled and he's done for the night. And then, and then have him wrestle a different style in the main event. Come on. They had him in a different mask, too. I mean, as soon as he, I mean, that's Ric Flair. Super, his nose sticking out, his entire mouth and chin sticking out. Yeah, terrible. He needed a longer mask because hell, like I think it's two minutes in the match, Sting grabs him by the mask, and you see the long hair sticking out. It's like, bro, you guys even trying? Like, and he's trying so hard to not be Ric Flair, but you can still see that it's fucking Ric Flair as he takes a bump. Yeah. Yeah. And has there ever been a on their side except for Rick and Dick the Bruiser just standing there looking unimpressed the entire fucking match is a highlight too. Hey man, that is Wayne Purvis Burger. You're talking about a legend who trained Bruce Bobans, Dick the Bruiser, (laughs) (laughs) discovered the Hangman. You won't speak ill of like an Aflis near me. Yeah, but I mean, wasn't Gene Kaniski kind of not good as referee in his match? That's what I was just about to say. I mean, that harkened back to him looking bored as shit in the 83 main event. Yeah, like nobody ever tried to get over in a match as hard as Gene Kaniski did as a referee. (laughs) And, And he totally bungled the ending. He did. And he about got his ankle broke, too. Fucking yeah. Idiot. You disparage Gene Kaniski, but he shouldn't have been trying to get over. Gene Kaniski's a brave man for pissing off Harley Race. That's all I can say. You know who should have been the referee in this match? Harley Race. That's he should have been. He could have told the Black Scorpion to bump me, damn it. Yeah. Tell him you're from Venice. <laughs> oh, yeah. When the horseman hit the ring, he's the first one to take the bump, right? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah like Harley just keeps getting back up. Do it again. Bump it Harley Race. Everybody's eyebrows. Throw me against the fence, goddammit. <laughs> There's some really good stuff, but it's feeling like some real shit. Yeah. Like I love Hanson around this time with the tobacco all over the fucking yeah, place. Yeah. And with Missy Hyatt going into the locker room to interview him. On, I can't remember what show that was on, but it might have been a clash where she did that. And <laughs> and him coming out the, the top around his waist. Just tobacco everywhere. 
Yeah. Oh, he was he, just he, like the uncouth, crazy Texas dude. It was hilarious. He lost like half a child talking to Tony in this on Stargate. So it's <laughs> just like on his chest, a big wad of tobacco. Yep. Yep. I don't know how anybody could ever. I would be green as a leprechaun, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Vince would be like, he's going to puke. He's yeah. going to puke. In this time frame, did Hanson ever tell Shivani he had a tiny whiner? <laughs> because he should have. It would have been perfect. That's what I knew of Stan Hansen was no holds barred when I saw him come into WCW. And so that's my point of reference for him was no holds barred. I'm like, holy shit, this guy's an actual wrestler. All right. <laughs> but yeah, this no. to me, this was where the letdown of Starcade really started. Because like I said, I loved 89 and think it's underrated. But this was kind of just like, really? This is the show? This weird tag team tournament with people we don't know and Ric Flair under a hood? This is one of those shows. Shows that would be totally different if Jim Hurd didn't bungle the fucking Arn and Tully signing. Right. So, I mean, you have a whole different landscape. If Tully wouldn't have bungled the drug test. Exactly. Well, still, I mean, yeah. at the time it wasn't even in play. That was that was actually some bullshit on Hurd's part to yep. put the offer out. And then after some newsletter stuff comes out, I mean, that wasn't, nobody else was getting drug tested in Crockett. Right. And there's no way that Tully was randomly drug test no. or he was leaving the company that shit was on purpose and it was like we know tully's gonna piss hot right and for <laughs> for vince to put that information out there that yep. way to knowing it would cause him damage he tell yep. must have said some awful shit when he quit well that or he was just like them going back and reforming the horsemen might give them a jolt in the arm and make them competition we can't have that yeah that's the same guy that tip it in the bud it's the same guy that reported Kerry Von Erich for having one foot to the Illinois State Athletic Commission before uh, Super Clash 3. Because there's an Illinois law that you can't, amputees can't fight <laughs> in Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> So the whole time, like the day of the show, there I've read somewhere that like the whole day of the show, the athletic commission guy was looking for Kerry and he was just bopping around the arena. <laughs> well, it's like I know for a long time they're like Bill Laughter's book. What uh, Missouri? You couldn't wrestle in like St. Louis if you had any kind of like blood disease. Just on the off chance that you may bleed, you can't be giving it like everybody hepatitis. But I mean that was Vince's big thing. That's why he originally said that it wasn't legit because you know a duck. And George Zahorian could show up one night and be like, oh, this guy's got high blood pressure. He can't wrestle. You boys need any candy? I'll give you something for that high blood pressure. Let's make it higher. Let's take it to the moon, baby. <laughs> Let's see what we can reach. Yeah. <laughs> everybody's blood pressure was out of range. <laughs> yeah. There's like reports. I remember reading stuff back in the day about like George Steele and like even Junkyard Dog guys that their blood pressure, all kinds of stuff like was they had to take it five, six times to get it down. He had to go and eat a bunch of fucking quaaludes to calm down. <laughs> and that's what you need before a match. <laughs> Yeah. We got to thank Mike Sharp. You know, he did all that running and took all those showers, but he had a resting heart rate of like 30. So he could, they're like, is this guy even alive? <laughs> yeah, you can't miss him. He's like, rah, 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 rah. Yeah. just like that. Yeah, well, the doctor had to go into the shower while he was in there and give him the blood pressure test. So. <laughs> and check his vitals and everything before he went out for his next run. Like the story about him getting locked in the arena because he kept doing exercises and showering 
Yeah. <laughs> he was just there and had to spend the night in the fucking arena. But back to Starcade. My issue with this show, too, is the, I'm not a big fan of any, like, dog collar where you got to touch the four post bullshit. They all kind of have the same finish. It's either a fucky finish or the, like, baby face follows behind and at the last second pulls the heel away and touches the last post. Right. But And then, of course, the black scorpion shit. But at least that's over, right? <laughs> Yes. That's the one positive you can bring out of this. That it's all over. It wasn't over at all, but it is over now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they pin Sting for the reason why the Black Scorpion angle failed, and then three weeks after Starcade, he's dropping a belt back to Flair. Like, that solved anything, you know? Yeah. And as I said earlier, we were skipping over 91 and 92, although I think we want to shout out how great the Sting Invader match is from 92. Yeah, tremendous match. I don't understand really what the purpose of the King of Cable Championship was. Like, that to me was pretty corny, but a hell of a match they had. I mean, they beat the hell out of each other. It was fantastic. I just watched it today. It's a bajillion stars. I think that's the official Meltzer rating even was a bajillion. Zaha gave it five. I'm not sure what the purpose was either, but it gave us a heck of a match. But again, we will cover that on our... I don't know what the storyline was where Pillman and Wyndham ended up as a tag team challenging for the titles here. But how fun would a a Flair, Arn, Wyndham, and Pillman horseman group have been in like 90, late 92, 93, you know, Flair, Flair comes back in in 93, right? That could have been a fun little group. Say so he would have made more sense than Paul Roma. Lots of things would have made more sense than Paul Roma. I'm telling you, if it was pretty wonderful, though. Right, I'm say, speaking of Paul Roma, Starcade 93. Yes. Pretty wonderful against Too Cold and two-time Rookie of the Year, Marcus Alexander Bagwell. This would have been his second rookie season. He didn't have enough of bats to qualify. Yeah. He got that medical red shirt. The yeah, the red shirt, medical red shirt. Yep, medical yeah. red shirt for the third rookie well, year. They, 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 they kept man- <laughs> manipulating his service time is what they were doing. Maybe he got it for being a single star and then he got it for being a tag team wrestler. I will say both of these tag teams are great. Yeah. Marcus and Too Cold, they were a great team and pretty wonderful. Exactly what as they're named. Yeah. And I love the theme song. Wonderful. Absolutely what I, wonderful. What, what I don't get is why didn't nobody ever call Roma Paula? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I actually think they addressed it on commentary during the match, so I'm pretty sure they say they're chanting Paula at both of them. I think Jesse even points it out that it could be oh. used for both of them during the course of the match. Orndorff just sells better than Roma does about it. That's all. I'm trying to think. I'm pretty sure this match has like one of the greatest top rope elbow drops I've ever seen from Paul Roma because Backwell has Orndorff in the fisherman suplex and he comes off the top rope just nails him in the gut. Yeah, Roma was a good flyer. I mean, he was named after a tomato. You never heard of an Orndorff tomato. Yeah. This is a good Starcade, I think, but that's more of a testament to just how good 93 WCW was. You got Shockmaster and Awesome Kong with King Kong, but it, <laughs> yeah. it's a minute Kong's and a half. A it's a minute and a half. Kong. That's all you need is Uncle Fred and a big fat guy. Yeah, the Kong Fred is an awesome look. Eventually, I'm probably going to look like one of them. Between a Shockmaster and Awesome Kong, dude, I mean, I can get you a Sparkler Stormtrooper helmet and have you send you crashing through walls. That'd be I'm not going to wear that goofy thing, dude. I just want to wear one of those masks like the Kongs. I want one of those robes, too, that they had, the sleeveless <laughs> thing. Yeah. Cool as shit. Very boots. The Viking Raiders actually got those and made their uh, ring attire out of them. Fuzzy boots and cape. <laughs> 
<laughs> I got a fur shawl, motherfucker. And the crazy thing, dude, the Kongs weren't even like related. Them dudes looked identical as hell. Yeah. <laughs> they were like the dudes from ZZ Top. They looked just alike, but they ain't even <laughs> <laughs> that should have been the, the ZZ Kongs or something like that. <laughs> the, the sharp dress Kongs. <laughs> they could have used the Jive Tones top hats and tuxedos and done like fat guy in a little coat like Farley. It would have been amazing. They could have redid the whole song. They could have been like uh, fur boots, <laughs> fur <laughs> shawls, <laughs> fur jackets, fur hat. Fur gloves, <laughs> fur cover up steering wheel, fur tongs. Yeah, they got the, <laughs> the fur car like on Dumb and Dumber too. Yeah, <laughs> everything's fur. But yeah, they could take LSD and be the psychedelic furs. <laughs> <laughs> For tripping balls every match. Woo! They're Kongs. They're nationwide. Yeah. Yeah. Kongers bad fur day. <laughs> <laughs> and then you could have somebody come out of monkey costume. You could have Donkey join them. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, 93 as a whole is a good show with the exception of the really long tag team title match. But when your two undercard singles titles matches are Regal and Steamboat and Austin and Rhodes, how can you fuck that up? And Rick Rude and the boss, he wrestled Bruce Springsteen. I was just about to say <laughs> yeah. he wrestled yeah. That's a, a East Street death match, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's what it was for the, <laughs> for the International World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. The sad part is around that time, Bruce would have looked like late 80s Rick Rude with the longer hair and everything like that. So that would have been kind of funny and weird all at the same time until Clarence Clemens comes out with a saxophone and bashes Rude up alongside Ed with it. I don't think we would have held the show in as high regard if it was Sid versus Vader in the main event because I don't know if it would have been as good of a main event because it's one of my favorite Flair matches because Vader just beats the shit out of him. And Flair does the great underdog babyface role and takes it. And the commentary for this match is friggin' fantastic with the two of them. And Race coming off the top rope with the headbutt is gold. It's like a perfect Flair babyface match. And it put Vader over strong. Nice to see Flair get another tight one. But I don't think it would have gotten a positive reaction had it been Sid and Vader had Sid and Arn decided not to play tag with a pair of scissors, you know? Well, hard to believe that subbing in Flair for Sid could change the perception of a match, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I hate that we were deprived of that five-star classic between Vader and Sid. Uh, Somewhere I'm sure little Aaron Grafton was very upset over Sid not getting a world title shot, but I was bummed um, about it though at the time. Winter softball, man, is winter softball. How many times yeah. do I got to stab Orn to go play some softball? <laughs> the Masters. It's slow a, pitch season, baby. Seventy-three, I think, is the number. Wow, <laughs> Jesus! Wow. But I mean, you got to think. There's two things on a scissor, so that's like yeah, two for one. You know? But weren't they like manicure scissors or something? Just like yeah, they were like like from like a sewing kit or something. They were the little yeah. tiny. Yeah. yeah, barely break the skin, man. It's barely. I mean, it's, it's like getting a bunch of Diana ball shots. <laughs> it's still more imposing than a damn squeegee, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not as imposing as Vader coming out in a towel, right? What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> you want a party? <laughs> <laughs> this looks like a Vader party. What time is it? 
Yeah, it's beta time. What time is it? I gotta wake um, up. Shout out to the always great Jesse Ventura on commentary during the Rhodes and Austin match. During the two out of three falls US title match. And I forget how they got there, but Jesse just goes, Well, you know, they were calling that Hooters girl in the back and natural, were they? And Tony doesn't know what to say. Tony's like at a lost words. He goes, What do you think, Tony? Natural or synthetic? And Tony's trying to just like laugh yeah. his ass off. He's like, he's like, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, they had a great roster. It was a great card. Yeah, I want to shout out the Cactus Jack Max Payne versus Tex Slazinger Shanghai Pierce match. Nothing special, just a fun little match with four guys I always enjoyed in this time yeah. frame. And four guys who stepping into the ring willing to take an ass whipping and give an ass whipping but that's always fun yes yeah it's like you can go ahead and hit me as hard as you can and i'm gonna hit you as hard as i can fuck it that's the uh, slappy meaty matches yeah. <laughs> big meaty men slapping me yeah hey no. good for the god ones though right oh yeah. yeah they were a solid team at wcw i felt they were a solid team forever i mean yeah. as far as i'm concerned i always thought they were great you know, I mean, I think them and I want to say it was either a clash or one of the earlier shows, them and Too Cold and Bagwell had a really good tag team match. They always had great matches on Saturday night because they were always on Saturday night. I mean, they weren't going to deliver a five-star classic or anything, but it was always going to be a good, solid match, and it was going to be fun to watch, guaranteed. And even when they had to do the jobs and stuff they looked formidable right so they were like your utility players basically yeah yeah just another case of wcw not knowing what to do at the time yep. imagine that they, they could have pushed them and got something out of like i said this arcade was just great just because it was a continuation of some really good feuds that they had kind of had going all year anyway with like regal and steamboat for the tv title that had been going on for a while and austin and dustin this kind of the you know when he's really getting a big push now because the blondes are over Austin's a big singles push. Deservedly so, right? Yeah, I mean, he should have gotten more of a push. Well, and, and you got to think, in a two out of three falls match, how often do you see them go 2-0? and oh? Right, and and the heel win that way. Yeah. yeah, you see Austin get that first one, and you're like, that's the only one he's getting. Yeah, right. good booking for a change. Yeah. And especially because he, he got Hardaway busted up a little bit because him and Parker collided heads when he went over the top rope there. That's yeah. Real cool. so. he, it was three heads. That's what happened. The other I was gonna say, Parker's other head got in the way, and that's what that's what did the damage. He's like, lucky he hit Parker's head, yeah. not his other head, because <laughs> he might have had a broken neck. Yeah, like <laughs> we might just be hearing him complain about uh, Robert Parker. That damn Robert Fuller never called me when he was in the hospital. His dick broke my fucking neck. It was like getting hit with an eight-pound fucking slapjack. You ever been hit with a roll of sausage? Hot damn, son. You fucking hit me with your dick. <laughs> no whether to shit or wind my watch. We go from the greatest of 93, and by 94, it's all going to hell. Thanks, Hogan. <laughs> it's that fucking Hogan line. It really is. It is it how is. great is how great WCW was before Hogan got there, and how great WWF was after Hogan left. I'm gonna throw a plug in here to one of our past episodes where Mike rebooked '94 WCW, and it was fucking awesome. You just keep who they have, and you just keep pushing those storylines along. That's all you gotta yeah. do, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
pretty much. It, it was all there for him. They have the roster. Yeah, you don't bring in Hogan and then bring in Hacksaw and then bring in all these other guys. And now Hogan's your champion. Hacksaw pretty much fucking buries Austin. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine the guy in charge talk, talking to Hulk and Hulk being like, you know what we need? We need a shot in the fucking arm. Let's call Greg Valentine. Yeah. <laughs> it's 1994. You're right, we need the honky tonk man. Well, it's ringing. Yeah, well, it's going to take him at least 15 minutes. To take <laughs> now, does he have a voicemail? No, he just lets it ring. <laughs> yeah. If you don't wane it out, he'll be mad at you. Yeah. He's got to ring you, 23 times. Or he just puts you on hold for 15 minutes while he gets ready to answer. Yeah. Now, what he does is he answers... And then he immediately hangs up, and and then you call him back, and then like you have a conversation for like five seconds, then he hangs up on you again. How's it going, Greg? You got to do that like five or six times, and then he'll finally roll in. Y'all can lock up and get going. So <laughs> I broke Wahoo's leg. <laughs> okay. Yep. All right. Worst Starcade main event: Sting versus the Black Scorpion, Hogan versus the Butcher. Hogan and Butcher. Hogan and Butcher, hands down. At least with Flair as the Black Scorpion, you still got a Ric Flair match. Right. <laughs> it was just yeah. contrived. This is fucking Hogan and Beefcake filleting each other. That's the worst idea ever. Hogan gonna Hogan. Okay, and this shows. Yeah, this is pure ego. Yep. Lego my ego. Was Flair technically retired or something at this point? Yeah, because he lost the retirement steel cage at Halloween Havoc. Right. So we've got Sting facing Avalanche. We have Vader and Duggan for the U.S. title. Alex Wright and Jean-Paul Levesque. Johnny Gatt and Orange probably the best match on the show, right? I actually yeah. wonder whatever happened to that Jean-Paul Levesque guy. Yeah, I mean, it was, what, Germany versus France? Yeah. It was, yeah. I mean, Not it was, like, match, to be it was like World War One and World War Two all over again, right? <laughs> Why didn't they book this on World War Three? Yeah. After <laughs> <laughs> pay-per-view. That young blonde-headed guy, what the fuck ever happened to him? I mean, it wasn't bad. He had a fucking gigantic nose, but... I thought he had a future ahead of him, and he disappeared not too long after this, so... Go to Connecticut. Yeah. Connecticut Yankee. <laughs> In Vince McMahon's court. Yeah, because so, that... Uh, great movie, by the way. Yes. Didn't this also have Johnny B. Bat and Arn Anderson, or am I... Yeah, that's for the TV that's title, and that's probably the best match on the card. I mean, yeah, I was so. going to... The said. last good match you're going to see on this card. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean? Mr. T and Kevin Sullivan are coming up later on. Oh, this man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't. I mean, that's kind of like Briscoe Funk. It's a style that you got to be one to watch. <laughs> the wrestling stylings of Mr. T in 1994. Yeah. I wonder what his mom thought. Really, you can kind of see what the fuck happened to WCW in a year. Yeah. Just uh, taking a snapshot of these two Starcades because you got Vader and Duggan. Duggan's in with Hogan. You get, at least you got Johnny B. Bad and Arn Anderson. Those are two WCW guys. Mr. T, Tenta, and fucking Brutus, the fucking barber beefcake. Half the show is Hogan guys. Yeah. Even though the Nasties were already there. I mean, they're Hogan guys, right? For sure. Yeah, I thought the Nasties match went a little long. Almost 18 minutes. Yeah. Nasties versus Harlem Heat. It felt like 30. And this was another famous example of Harlem Heat. They were the champs, but 
they won them before the show, but they don't technically show the result till after the show. Right. Anything after like 12, 15 minute range with the Nasty Boys, they just get real sloppy. <laughs> 10 to 12 is the sweet spot for them, I think. Uh, unless it's Three. like a, a hardcore match or street fight kind of thing. Yeah, where it's supposed yeah. to look awful and painful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody can kind of just lay around for a couple minutes and catch wind and yeah. get back up and start hitting each other with shovels and shit. <laughs> like a Tom and Jerry episode. Yeah. Shovel break. Shovel yeah. break. I remember their brawl uncensored a few months later being a lot of fun because they went to the concession stand and they did all that. You know, seeing their actual match with how good Harlem Heat is was not good. What a bad show. Yeah. <laughs> this might be up until probably 98 or 99. We're Starcade yet, but. I would say so, yeah. Once we get later on, I think we might have to come back to that. 95, again, cool concept because you had a lot of great talent on the show, but would I think it just seemed kind of lifeless to me. Is that a good way of putting it? There's some great matches, like the Eddie Guerrero match on there is phenomenal. I mean, no yeah, surprise, Eddie and Otani. Yeah, but, Eddie and Otani is fantastic. Wasn't just, this like where they had whatever working agreement with New Japan? And this was the end, so they had to throw this in here. Yeah. Because they had made a commitment to do a pay-per-view featuring New Japan guys. And so it's like, all right, we'll just throw them all in Starcade. We'll do it here. Instead of, like, doing a separate pay-per-view or, you know, something yeah, you could have really it built to. It took the U.S. title off Sasaki, I think, that night. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, gang took it off of him. Yeah. You have a lot of good talent on the Evans show. Evans and Tenzan was a good match. You have Chono. You have Liar. Yeah, the, who was it, Chono? And Luger? and Luger. Yeah, that was mid, but still okay. You know, 95 Luger at that point was kind of mid, though, too, to be fair. Liger in the match with he who shall not be named. I mean, come on. That, Liger and anybody at that point. Yeah, Liger but, was good, man. Yeah, the guy was good, too. That sucks. Yeah. If I recall correctly, and Wikipedia confirms this, Flair was the only one who didn't wrestle a match in the World Cup, yet he faced Sting and Luger in a triple threat match, and no surprise, won the triangle match. It wasn't a triple threat match, it was a triangle match, and then beat Savage for the belt that night. Yeah, that's when they started getting weird finishes and stuff. <laughs> like I said, WWF, where we try to at least send you home, you might not like the result, but you gotta accept the result kind of thing, and WCW's like, yep, start burning popcorn in the concession stand. That's the kind of smell we want everybody going home with. <laughs> Another thanks for your money ending. At least Hogan wasn't here. I mean, that's like the redeeming feature to me is there was no Hogan match. Although with the new Japan talent, maybe we missed an opportunity for Spates Boots Hogan to make a return. Plus out the axe of Boomba. That's right. Yep. Line maybe up that's the why. office and just start slapping the shit out of them. Yeah. But maybe that's why Hogan didn't want to work, because he knew he'd actually have to work. Right, right. I'm not going to be there that night, brother. I'm not working. <laughs> working doesn't work for me, brother. Yeah. Space boots are at the Smithsonian, brother. <laughs> they disintegrated after I was flying back and forth to Japan 18 yeah. times a week. It was saving days on the calendar for me, but it was quickly eroding my boots. I was, <laughs> I was wrestling 17 times a day in those boots. <laughs> The yeah, one time I checked them, brother, they about me, brother. Time <laughs> <laughs> traveling to Japan because I was on that Bowie. Ninety-five was kind of weird because you know you had the Hogan was still ruling over everything, but people were already tired of it. You know, you had Savage and Flair and Sting sometimes in the upper card, and 
In between 95 and 96, things changed quite a bit. And of course, then things change the more they stay the same because we go to Starcade 96, which is a pretty damn solid show, except it's headlined by Hogan versus Piper in a non-title match. Yeah. Yeah, because right. we're not dropping the belt, brother. Yeah. You give the finish away when you do shit like that. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And no offense, this would have been great 10 years prior, but there's no reason why the two of them should have been wrestling in 96. I love Piper. He's one of my favorites, but there was no reason for him to be in a wrestling ring in 1996. Although, if you had it for the title, doesn't that kind of give it away too? Because Hogan's not dropping the bell. I mean, I guess Piper could have won by DQ. Anytime the champion's wrestling, it should be a title match. I mean, absolutely, it should. Yeah. The only time it shouldn't yeah. be, I guess, would be as if it's like a 10 minute match on TV or something. Yeah. Like. If it's a big show, especially Starcade, which is, you know, your big show, one of your big shows, to have the champion wrestle in a non title match and then not be like a battle bowl or some kind of tournament thing like they have done before is shitty. It's that recurring WCW theme. <laughs> yeah. A bunch of great work rate matches on this mm-hmm. card. Also, uh, Dragon and Dean, Liger and Mysterio, even DDP had a nice match with Eddie Guerrero. Oh, yeah. There are some good matches. Double J and that one guy had a pretty good yeah. match, too. Yeah, 96 is a fun show till the main event. I mean, hell, we even hauled Nash in the face of fear. I mean, yeah, you knew who was going over, but it's still a fun yeah. match to watch. That is a fun match because you can actually see, like, they fucked with everybody that they got in the ring with. They didn't fuck around. Well, there was a whole different fucking feeling in the ring, and you a whole different respect level. Now you're not gonna fuck around with Ming Barb. That's not happening. Unfuckwithable, right there. Yeah, yeah. I don't care how tough Hall and Nash were; they were not tougher than either one of them. If I was Paulie, I would have went so hard, dude, to try to get Faces of Fear into ECW. That would have been insane. (laughs) Oh, just bring back the SST, pretty much, like your new SST. Give them that ECW edge. Would have been fun. Yeah. Them destroying Public Enemy. Yeah. Been great. This show's good. I mean, anytime you get Liger and Mysterio for over 14 minutes. Right. Uh, yeah. Yes. And this was post-brain surgery Liger, too, I think. So that made it even better was, you know, the two of them. I remember as a kid thinking, as 11 years old watching this and I'm like, holy shit, Liger, you know, favorite and Rey Mysterio Jr. was still like absolutely mind blowing at that point. Like, holy shit. And then it's like, wow, that was one of those like real like holy shit matches. Yeah, because this is Ray's first year in WCW. Yeah. Because I mean, he he's there, what, a couple weeks before uh, Scott Hall shows up. Yeah, I think so. I want to say it was. Yeah, it was around the same time. He had not been in WCW long. Yeah. When Kevin Nash spikes him off the side of the RV <laughs> out back, you know, I mean, he had been there like a month and a half. It says welcome, like getting thrown against the side of a. Jericho debuted at the Bash in '96. Was it him and Malenko? Yep. Yeah. So yeah, he'd been in six months at this point. Yeah. Ray did have a few stinkers on pay-per-view, though. He had one with, uh, oh, shit, what's the guy's name? Yuji something. Yuji Yasura Soka. Oh, (laughs) A guy from War. I want to say he was from War. But it was was from that time frame. And he had another match with Prince Iakea on a pay-per-view. Well... Yeah. Let's not blame metal. Ray wasn't like a, a full on, like, ring general type worker at the time. Oh, no. I mean, you have to think he's still, because, I mean, how long was he in ECW? Not long. Yeah. <laughs> like three uh, weekends. Yeah. <laughs> three weekends. And really, what it is, is he's going somewhere where 
even though there's guys like him there, there's really no one like him there. And he's also adapting to working with all these other different guys who have no clue how to do what he can do. I mean, you put him and Psychosis in the ring together, you know, that's a good TV match. But you can't do that on every pay-per-view. No. Yeah, you just change it into Hooventude and Ray or Hooventude and Psychosis. Yeah. Or, guys around. That was the thing, though. You had your upper card guys like the NWO, and then you had like the Cruiserweight guys that were doing mind-blowing shit all the time. You put them in like random six-mans or yeah. here's Hooventude and Lismark or Super Kalo or somebody. Yeah. And I mean, you had Malenko. Malenko was could go with him and do the things that he wanted to do. But even he was kind of limited on everything that he could do. Yeah. You know, and Eddie was kind of, I don't want to say Eddie was above that, but he kind of was at that point. They, you know, they'd stick him in from time to time, but he was kind of the upper mid card at that point. Yeah, he was the guy that could go for the cruiserweight title or the U.S. title. He could tween it out a little bit. Oh, he should have been like Ultimate Dragon, just held every belt at the same time. Yeah, Dragon and, was great at this time, too. And and let's, not forget, and let's not forget, he's managed by our boy, Sonny Ono. Yep. You're going to love the way yep. you look. Yep, Yoko's brother. <laughs> <laughs> Give it up to Sonny. That's a lot of belts he had to hold. He was carrying his weight in gold, literally. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he's not a big man. That was, that no. was work. After 10 pounds of gold is to be believed, he was about 80 pounds heavier. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ninja Star Wars did not get him trained for this. <laughs> I can't remember what pay-per-view it was on, but there was one where him and Dragon came out right by, they were standing right by the pyro, and it was just like, boom, it was a loud one. He was clearly startled, and Dusty was cracking up, and he's like, I guarantee Sonny Ono Bono doesn't need to go change his drawers. <laughs> he's probably lucky just the concussion of the blast didn't knock him over no bigger than he was. <sighs> Yeah, they would have found out way sooner about the Sonny Ono lawsuits. That's right. I, I just imagine him taking a bump off the pyro. Right? I mean, it would have been amazing. <laughs> if he had all the belts on him and the pyro goes off, he could just like start leaning to one side and then let the weight of the belts take him over and fall. Or, it could have been comedy gold. Or what would have been better, that or him standing at ringside dumping bottles of water on himself like the Undertaker did when he got hit with the pyro. <laughs> Just standing out there managing. <laughs> still, he's still so committed to it. He's got to keep dumping water on himself. His fucking polyester suits melted to him. He looks like the fucking Toxic Avenger or something. Like the cop on Robocop coming out into the street. <laughs> Robocop makes his grand return. Oh, God. <laughs> Help me. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Starcade '94 was missing. Was Robocop? RoboCop. <laughs> we needed a return. Robocop and Mr. T should have had a tag team match. Somebody <laughs> say Capital Combat. Yeah. Well, fuck. I don't mind. Now it's the Capital Comeback with Robocop. DC Cab meets Capital Combat. Yeah. Oh Christ! Can you imagine like Kevin Sullivan and two other guys versus the six-man dream team of Mr. T, Robocop, and Evad Sullivan? That would have been great. You could get the Barbarian Twins from DC Cab, and Kevin <laughs> Sullivan could manage them. Or Kevin Sullivan <laughs> and the Kongs versus. No, no. Robocop would obviously keep the Dungeon of Doom from interfering in Hogan's matches, right? Robocop <laughs> could manage the psychedelic furs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's the Frank Beard of that group then, right? He's the one that doesn't have a beard. <laughs> yeah, he's, well, he's Frank Body. That's what you'd call him, right? Frank Body? 
He doesn't have a real one. So, Ro- Robo Kong. Yeah, Robo Kong. <laughs> Mecha Kong. You call him Mecha Kong. There you go. Shaka Kong. Yeah, that that keep. <laughs> Shaka Kong. Shaka Kong. Man, I feel for her. Shaka 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 Shaka. But Sunny Ono is great, right? There you go. That's who really should have managed the Kong. Sunny Ono. Ono Kong. You know, Jeff Jarrett's here after getting Millie Vanillied. How about Sunny managing Cassius Ono? There you go. Their family. Yeah. Like to introduce my uncle Sunny as my manager. It's on, my, it's on my mom's side. <laughs> Twice removed. We go from 96 to 1997. A real name's Chris Hirozaki. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell if we're like speeding through these trying to get them all in or if we're speeding through them to just fucking kind of cut back on the agony a little bit. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not going to have too much to say past 97 because I'm just going to be pissed off the rest of the time. Oh, come on. What's wrong with this show? I give this show 10 out of 10 stars, right? What isn't wrong with the show? This should have been the defining moment for WCW is where the tide turns and they start to repel the NWO and it crumbles over the next like six months. And by bash 98, you're putting the final nails in the coffin. Yeah, I was in full on mark mode for this show. I had a party. We had a party. I'm talking food, booze, accoutrement for Starcade 97. And everybody was like, what the fuck? Dude, first thing, everybody shit the bed when Kevin Nash didn't show up. <laughs> what? Because that was one of the big matches yeah. on the card. Nash and the Giant. Finally, you know? Nope. And you had Randy Savage. And he had the, uh, the weird six-man tag with fucking Norton and Virgil and... Yeah. <laughs> and Randy Savage. Yeah, Savage. I mean, what did Savage and Norton do to deserve Vincent as their partner? Right. You couldn't, couldn't have gotten even... anybody else... Yeah, where the hell was? Yeah, what, wasn't there like seventy-five members of the NWO at this yeah. point? You could have, you could have got anybody. Fuck, dude, go get Ralphus. Muda. Go get Ralphus. Judy Bagwell. She's back there somewhere, right? <laughs> she's by proxy. Making sure that Lex does business for Buff. She's standing back there with her <laughs> fist taped. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as Alexa's walking out for the match, Judy's standing gorilla, taping her fists up, getting ready. (laughs) (laughs) Just fucking sneered at him. I I read the book and sheet. I read the script. And she flashes the 45 in her handbag at him. (laughs) Locker room leader, Judy Bagwell. That was fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit, that was great. (laughs) They had their own judge, Judy. For the wrestlers' court, right? Yeah, you had to, you had to break her Did like you fucking. Get her just chastising the what? shit out of people. Brian Knobs, you're a fat piece of shit, Brian. <laughs> Jesus, you took the pills. Now pay the guy. You could bribe the Undertaker with booze. You can give him like a bottle of Jack Daniels, and uh, you'd give like JBL a fucking like case of beer, and they would lighten your sentence. But I mean, what would you bring? Some uh, like new, I don't know, some yarn or something for Judy. Some misty. <laughs> Here, you can you can ditch your grandson a fucking sweater no, with this. I'm telling you, you bring Judy Bagwell some misties and a soap <laughs> opera digest, and maybe a bit of metamucil. moon pies, and you're good. Yeah, you're getting off, no problem. You record but, yeah, her I, stories for her. You yes, record her yeah. stories for her. 
So now, she can her new tape every week. Yeah. Now, yeah. <laughs> now would wrestlers court be considered would she be on the forklift presiding over them then? Or Oh absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> she looks so comfortable up there, that's why. <laughs> Like a room leader, fucking Judy Bagwell. That's a T-shirt. Fourteenth floor, of Vegas, bitch. Just a taped old wrinkled fist. That's what you need. Just some taped up wrinkled fist, of Judy Bagwell, locker room leader, certified forklift operator, locker room leader. She's a woman of many talents. She's like the old lady with the whole fist in the meme. <laughs> With her fist taped up, Judy Bagwell knew that she could fuck somebody up. So. Okay, so instead of Brett marching to the ring at the end of Sting and Hogan, it should have been Judy Bagwell marching to the ring at the yeah. end of Sting and Hogan. Yeah, Pounding into her fist. This card had good matches on it. EDP and Hennig was a good match for the U.S. title. Eddie and Dean to open the show. Yeah. It should have been the crowning achievement for WCW. It was right there. It was the most hyped match in a very long time in WCW. I think it's probably the most hyped match ever in WCW. That's also fair. How long had it been? What, so, a year and a half? Yeah. Well, from Fall Brawl oh, to Starcade, it was like 15 months, I think they said. Yeah. And how they built it up, you know, whose side is he on? And then when he came down from the rafters and went ape shit with the bat at Uncensored on the NWO, I lost my shit, dude. I think I burst a blood vessel. I was so freaking happy when Sting took out the NWO and Hogan looked like he shit his pants. So you had nine months to build this match. And what you do, you make the worst possible decision you could ever do. I look at it, I said, I would have been happy if it was a squash match and Sting just beat his ass from one side to the other. I don't think anybody would complain about a five-minute main event of Sting just beating the shit out of him, putting him in Scorpion Deathlock. It would have been fantastic. I mean, people, the crowd would have gone crazy. Sting just beating his ass from one side to the other. And I don't know, was this when Sting was going through his divorce or no? I'm not sure. Because while I totally disagree with the way they finished this out, I do understand at least a little bit the point that Hogan and Bischoff had. You had built this for 15 months. Sting should have come in looking like peak form, right? If he had shit going on in his personal life, understandable. But if it wasn't, then why wasn't he, you know, in maybe a little bit better looking shape? maybe a little more tan, something just because this is like your crowning achievement. They have built you for 15 months to this moment to dethrone him. Why wouldn't you want to be at your absolute best? Wasn't that his thing, though? The crow, the guy hiding in the dark? He shouldn't be too tan, I would (laughs) He should have been in better shape, for sure. Yeah. I can see it like Totally like the pale part to me sold part of like the crow. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's fair. Because like the emo thing is like, you know, pale and pasty and shit. (laughs) Like a mine. (laughs) I mean, a box here at WCW, I can't get out. But you get over. Come out in the box, you get over. Yeah, you could have teamed him up with the man. If (laughs) If you sit in the rafters for... 15 months you get over yeah it's not a bad gimmick man just go up there and hang out be weird and just rapple down and point baseball bats at people yeah behave like a chicken and poop in the ring <laughs> like you're in Vern's barn <laughs> Tara. the chickens are shooting at the ring <laughs> the stage was set you're on the one yard line this is your Super Bowl you're getting ready to win and you fumble the ball and you don't give it to Mark Vaughn yeah, I was gonna say they didn't give it to beast mode no they put it all in Nick Patrick's hands Jesus Earl Hebner would have fast counted and rolled out of the ring and been gone before the fucking first yep. person left. He'd be the only person on the highway heading the fuck out of there. 
Earl never, Earl never would have grew a goatee. Yeah. <laughs> Or wore a neck brace. Good God, he's respectable, right? He'd, he'd never sell bootleg merchandise. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe, maybe we would. Dave, Dave would. Dave would all fucking day long. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> My favorite part of Nick Patrick would be he'd always have like heel face, like just yeah. mean, mugging. <laughs> mean mugging. When he grew the goatee, he looked like Isaac Yankum's little brother or something. <laughs> <laughs> he can't yank him, he just tugs him. Yeah. He mashes them. <laughs> Mash them. See, he should have mashed that three count. If he would have mashed yeah. that three count, it would have been a lot better. Yeah, but oh god. Yeah, I remember like the whole mood of our shindig. Just kind of, it started great with the Eddie and Dean match. It was like, sure. exa- and they got plenty of time. It was like almost like what was it? Almost eight? fifteen minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It was a longer match. Yeah, they got to put in some good time. They had an awesome match, and it just kind of. Everybody's like, man, this party sucks. I remember watching it. I was the only one downstairs. I remember I screamed at the top of my lungs, what the fuck? And my mom came down and yelled at me because I woke up my sister because I was screaming at the television. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't get like crazy mad or nothing, but I was just like, man, what the fuck? Oh, that was literally, I was like, all of that, dude. Every Monday exactly. night hanging out, every being glued to the TV for it and being there for it and getting invested in it. And this is the fucking payoff, dude. Yeah. They sit on their entire crowd ever. Those are the moments that fucking Vince, that was when Vince was laughing the hardest at them. I guarantee it. I'm sure. They had sure. it right there, pal. They fucked themselves. Did you see that, Pat? Right in their own hands. They just fucking jizzed all over the sink. Now they're going to misuse Brett. Yeah. That's some great shit. Wait, they misused Brett from the get-go. Yeah. Like, literally, Brett should have been there the next night on Nitro after yeah. the screw job. I, I get it. Like, the whole thing with Patrick fucking off or whatever, and then yeah. the finish where Brett makes the count. But then, you know, have him all go, yeah, all right, Hogan powders. And then Brett turns on Sting right there. Bam. Yeah. And have Sting and Brett go. Let Hogan powder for a while and go make fucking Thunder and Paradise 2 or whatever yeah uh <laughs> season three ted turner picked up season three that's uh section 11 subparagraph f is four <laughs> seasons uh, of fucking thunder in paradise f is for four yeah <laughs> if we can't draw money if i don't have a sitcom brother <laughs> how's this ever gonna work brother i just it's all nick patrick's fault Wee anderson wouldn't have fucked that up no so. he wouldn't have no, yeah. he wouldn't. No. Mark Curtis wouldn't have either. Yeah. Hell, Mickey J would have got it right. Yeah, I was going to say, Mickey J wouldn't have either. There's some good referees, damn it. Yeah. Who's the other dude? Scott, uh, help me out here, guys. Dickinson. Dickinson, yes. Hell, Charles Robinson running yeah. full speed yeah. to the ring. Nate. Little Nate running full speed to the ring like he did during Undertaker and Edge of Mania. When did Teddy stop refereeing? When he started putting people in there. After, after he managed skyscrapers and all that, he became a ref again, didn't he? I forgot to be giving out my Undertaker count. Me and Drew talked about this. I was going to name all the wrestlers for each card that went one-on-one with the Undertaker. <laughs> The death toll's kind of overdone. I think we need an Undertaker Undertaker counter. (laughs) Then how many people were placed in a tag team match against Kane? Yeah. He's amazing. Hey, that was one of the markout moments of my wrestling fan life was when Christine I bet him. He's like, what's up, players? I'm like, yes. (laughs) yes." I mean, what is it? Starcade 88? He pretty much riffs every match (laughs) with his drop top soul glow look. Nothing on top, and but the rest of it looks wet, but it's dry. Good so old Theodore Long. Theodore R. Long. 
He was always so entertaining as the commissioner on SmackDown. He needs to come back. He's just always entertaining. True. But good God. Fucking. I loved when he used to wear like the little Jim Brown hat. I don't know what the hell those are called, but Jim Brown used to wear one too. It was like a little, like a flat oh. top, like an upside down cake pan. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just like a yep. little. Like they just got back from a cruise to Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out I've got another malady. Yeah. Yeah. I come down with no, Rastafarian. I had like to get 12 job. IVs for my Rastafarian that I call. <laughs> those four people on those fucking boats. Like, Holy shit. This fucking guy again. <laughs> Yeah. Look at me, I'm a shark. Come listen to me do karaoke. Did he steal Tenta's gimmick too? Besides Neil Gway? <laughs> yeah, he did. He needs to steal beefcakes and just come out dressed like the Zodiac. Well, he stole Paul Burchill's gimmick. He comes out as a pirate. Fucking asshole. Who else did he get? He also stole Alan Tudyk's gimmick at coming out dressed like a pirate. Yeah, He's ripped off Macho Man because I think he's got like a frilly cowboy hat. So... <laughs> I thought you were going to say he dropped a rap album. Yeah, he did. <laughs> actually, 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 no, it was a, it was a WAP album. And <laughs> Fucking Bruce on yeah. the ones and twos. Yeah. Oh, shit. What, Bruce did the WAP album, Whack Ass Co-Bands. Yeah, Whack Ass Co-Bands. <laughs> this is off coming on Boogie Woogie Productions. Hall <laughs> <laughs> of Fame Wackheads. <laughs> this one goes out to my dearly departed yeah. one, Jacqueline. <laughs> one of the songs is actually like it, instead of the boy from New York City, it's the boy who's full of shitty. Okay. <laughs> I'm dead. You know what you need? You need a quiz. That's what you need. <laughs> so fix it right up. It, it will. It will. Uh, <laughs> get, get, get the diamond package. And then make videos about a man being overboard. Yeah. Or go sing Woot 66. <laughs> no sweet till the Caribbean. Yeah. <laughs> I'm retired. Thank you, people, for order for paying for all my cruises. Would his rap album be called License to Ill? <laughs> These cruises should be getting this guy on their fucking advertising and stuff, doing testimonials. I mean, <laughs> can you imagine? Cancer, leukemia. <laughs> he's had it all. He goes on a cruise and he's just like, I'm fucking healed. He's up. He's yeah. dead. Cruises a, are all he, all healing, man. I'm a blind widow. On a boat. Fuck it. I mean, fuck it. Yeah, like, I, now I want to see Oban's doing I'm on a boat by Lonely Island. Yeah. <laughs> Lonely Island. Lonely Island. <laughs> what do I- oh, so I guess it's time to move on to 98, huh? Oh, God. I don't know. I think I'd rather keep talking about Bruce Povans. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. I actually get more material to talking about Povans than we will this next fucking show. Bad as 98 was, the opener and the second match were good with the three-way match right. with Hoovy and Ray and Kidman and then rolling that into the next match defending the title. I don't like that just because I think he should break it up a little bit and give Kidman a break. But both of those matches were great. <laughs> Everybody else is just like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just looking at the card and it's like, like right. it legit looks like a Saturday night tape. This is Adam's like every Nitro. Jerry. 
Flynn. Jerry Flynn, babe. Is he fucking Bischoff's brother-in-law or something? How the fuck does he even get a contract? Is he fucking, like, his wife or something? Venerable <laughs> Onyono managing Jerry Ernest Butler against Perry Saturn. Buck too, Jerry Flynn. Jerry Flynn had the big-ass buck teeth, too. Maybe Jerry Flynn taught Bischoff karate or whatever it is that karate man Eric Bischoff knows. Maybe he was yeah. his instructor. Is his sensei. This show has Ralphus and Sonny Ono managing on it, though. Jerry Flynn, karate man. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at that match, and I thought, I got a great name for both of those tag teams. One's kind of lazy. I was just going to go with Flynnly for Jerry Flynn. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, for Brian Adams and Scott Norton, I wanted to go with Summer of 296 Flapjacks. <laughs> Brother, aloha. Forget the Slip House Boys. That's the tag team I want to see. I know Chris Zaha, too. He wants to see Brian Adams and Scott Norton as much as possible. As long as they feud with the Harris Boys, yeah. Yeah. Hey, but at least Ralphus was on this show. Right. You know, there's another bright spot. Jericho oh, personal security. Yep. That's right. One of the greatest gimmicks ever. One of the greatest stories ever. He what he apparently he got fired from his like even his truck driving job with WCW because he demanded a contract from him. <laughs> I'm a star. Yeah, he demanded that they pay him like a as an on air talent and they told him no and not only did they fire him from that job they fired him from his regular ass job i mean for all the people they paid that never showed their face on tv you couldn't throw ralph as a bone and give him some extra cash come on you're willing to do licensing with kiss yet you can't throw ralph as extra money you're paying lanny to sit at randy's home and answer the phone all day right <laughs> and leave cans of food at the top of the stairs i mean come on and- yeah, but you can't give Ralphus like $10,000 in an appearance. I could tell him, do we know if Ralphus could really read? You could have told him you were paying him 10000 and paid him like a grand. And he would have been happy. Just, you know, you could have made Ralphus merch. I think people would have bought like, the Jericho <laughs> security shirts. Seriously. Yeah, we wore those little half shirts. You yeah. see a crowd full of people wearing those half little cut off crop top Jericho yeah. personal security shirt. I think you could have moved some merch. Give him a cut of that something. He should have been outside selling them himself an autograph <laughs> them and fucking taking an 8 by 10 all of them's handmade most of them are misfilled they were all hand worn yeah <laughs> then he could have had Hebner come over and give him a hand with it I mean come on yeah no Hebner would have been like I can make them watch it <laughs> yeah you, you know you got a bootleg from Hebner when everything's spelled correctly right <laughs> yeah a good guy. In the defense of the main event of this show, though, it's not like they didn't throw everything at Goldberg to cost him the championship. And in this streak, she was in the back making sure Bill was going to do business. <laughs> I mean, got to do the job, Bill. They're all booing you. The Goldberg train was slowing down. People were kind of getting tired of it. Yeah. And it was obvious leading up to that. Well, WCW poor execution on everything. The thing that sucks the most is this is basically the setup to a big fuck you from WCW with the finger poke of doom. Yeah. So what's the bigger fuck you from WCW? The end of 97 Starcade or January 4th, 99? Oh, it's finger poke of doom by far. Starcade 97 was just stupidity. Like, I don't think they realized how badly it was going to play. Dude, I'm pretty sure Helen Keller could have seen how bad it was going to play. Well, but you don't understand. Bischoff had this one idea, and it wasn't even an original idea. And he didn't know that you needed an exit 
for it. He thought it could just keep going. And he thought that, you know, what they did with Sting would lead to intrigue or something. And it derailed everything. The finger poke of doom was straight up just, fuck you, we don't care. Yeah. What you think? That was the definitive moment of Section 11, subparagraph 8. Right. That was the, hey, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to win tonight. Really, a fucking long-term angle they had going right down the drain with a finger poke. Well, it shows that there was no long-term vision ever. I mean, you're talking about the Goldberg experiment dying out. Well, you're bringing the NWO back. Yeah, we're going to see how well that worked. Well, and it's that section 11 subparagraph E. It's Hogan can do whatever he wants when he wants. So how can you make a long-term plan when you build for something for five or six months? And then he shows up one night and he's like, nah, let's just scrap all that. Hang on, brother. I just found my that don't work for me. I'm going to play that tonight. It's almost like you shouldn't have done that in the first place and given him that power, huh? Yeah. You think? I can understand giving him the money, but to give him the power over his creative... You don't ever let them control their own narrative. That never works, right? Well, and the thing that was crushing Red about Red. the finger poke was... <laughs> took that shit right back. Yeah. <laughs> Russo tried it with Hogan, and uh, they got sued. Yeah. Well, okay, I can almost understand giving him some sort of final say when you're trying to bring him into the company because he didn't trust anybody. Okay, you come up with some kind of compromise, not you can decide everything you do, but where he gets input or something. But after a year or two, then that should have been out of the contract and it should have been written in there. We'll give you this for the first 18 months. And then after that, we can renegotiate and go from there. But just giving him carte blanche to do whatever he wanted to do the entire run, you're never going to get anywhere. As much like Dusty, he's never going to think he's not still the top star. Yeah, I would have never hired his ass. I would have called him just some hell hell no. Hey, hey, Terry, how you doing? (laughs) Eric Bischoff here. Just wanted to call and say, fuck you. (laughs) I just called to say, fuck you. That's right, Terry. Just go ahead and shave it off, Hogan. Why are you still clinging to to your ring? Do-rag with hair sewn onto the do-rag now. I can't say that I saw it for sure, but Mothez was telling me she saw it on one of her, her shows. One of her stories. Yeah. It. Was it Halloween Havoc the one year when he came out with the oh. little, like cap thing on with 96? Yeah. Wouldn't be yeah. the first time he's done something like that. Yeah, he looked like the oldest kid from Home Improvement when he <laughs> came out. <laughs> was he one of those middle name guys? So at the time, like every Hollywood kid actor had like the, the yeah, middle it was, name. He was, he was Terry Hulk Balea, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I mean, like the uh, the Marcus Alexander Bagwell gimmick. Yeah, that's yeah. probably where all those kids got it from. Right, uh, it's like man, this guy was three time rookie of the year. That's how we should yeah, go yeah. to ourselves. I'm rookie of the year, Brian Austin Green. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> A lot of that has to do with, like, SAG, too. Like, if you want right. to be a SAG member, you cannot have the same name somebody else had. So there's probably a Jonathan Thomas somewhere along the line, right? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, whatever happened to JTT? He was everywhere. I seen a thing about him a while back. He just kind of lays low now. Did the old Mike Tyson, huh? Faded yeah. right into Bolivian? Yeah. <laughs> Except he's not, like, beating up people on a Southwest Airlines flight. Although I do have to say, if I read a news report about Jonathan Taylor Thomas beating anyone up, I'd have been like, holy shit. <laughs> like, getting beat up by a little person on an airplane. He's standing on the seat just right in punches down on you. Throwing roundhouses. Yeah. 
Because I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if I'm ever on an airplane with Mike Tyson, I'm going to start some shit with him. And when I sue him, they're going to ask him what kind of injuries I sustained. And I'm going to go, spinal. (laughs) (laughs) What is that, vertebrae, uh, disc? Spinal. Spinal. (laughs) Roll up in there in a wheelchair. Judge Larry Merchant. (laughs) You ready to jump to 99 and the mess that this is? I mean, aren't you happy to talk about the Bret Hart Swan song? I hadn't even got down to that part of the card. I'm looking at the Mama Lukes versus Disco and Lash LaRue opening the show. And you know that is a Chris Salha fucking main event anywhere in his brain. <laughs> Followed up by Medusa defeating Evan Courageous for the Cruiserweight title. Yeah, Big Vito, former bomb mitzvah attendee. <laughs> Big Vito. Yeah. Entertainment. Yeah. And Tony Marinero wasn't that Tracy Smothers' real name in Smoky Mountain when Dennis Coraluzzo was trying to uncover him as a real Yankee when he liked Tony Marinara or something. <laughs> <laughs> At least you got Evan Courageous doing the J-O-B to Medusa. Yeah, that was when she was in her like sloppy boobs cougar gimmick. Does anybody know, did she write about that in her book? I mean... Telling me to buy your book a hundred times is a good way to tell me I'm not, not to buy your book. Yep. But Norman Smiley, he did defend his hardcore title against Mang, the Mang Mang. I feel like I probably watched 99 when it happened. Yeah, no, I probably did. Just the one with uh, the Vampiro matches with Dr. Death and Oklahoma. Yeah, that's what I was getting ready to ask. Was it a deal where if Vampiro won, he got so many minutes with Oklahoma? Had to be. That's kind of the way I'm recalling it. This card is just so weird. But I'm trying to picture if this was Vampiro with the Misfits or Vampiro with ICP. Well, you know, it wouldn't be a Vince Russo pay-per-view without a crowbar on a pole match. Yeah, crowbar and Terry Funk. That was my question. Was the DDP versus David Flair crowbar on a pole match an actual crowbar? Or was it crowbar standing at the top of the pole? It was a bro-bar, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Bro-bar. You just, bro bar. you just have Devin Storm hanging there waiting. Exactly, that's what I'm asking, because it's Russo. I could see either one being plausible. And then Judy Bagwell comes out on a forklift to come save him. So it was Vampiro with the Misfits at this point, it says. I guess that's um, baby face. But, like, why is Elizabeth with Sting in his match against Luger? I don't recall this. Because then she ended up turning on him, I'm sure, and he's like... Uh, he was in the wolf pack at the time or whatever. They are all in the wolf pack, and he split, maybe? I don't know. Who knows? It changed every week. I just think it's so great seeing how many just, like, five-minute, four-minute, three-minute <laughs> matches are on this show. Yeah. Yeah, and hell, according to Wikipedia, there's, like, 14 matches on this show. Yeah. 13. Well, when they're all three or four minutes, you got to have a bunch of them to fill time. They had a four minute and 53 second eight man tag match. (laughs) How is that even possible? Who cares about the wrestling? (laughs) We want to see their personality. That's definitely not a cult of personality, that's for sure. I mean, you give creative control seven minutes and 52 seconds. Ah, yeah, Patrick and Gerald. Yeah, the Blue Brothers. Oh, my God, I forgot that they changed Virgil's name to Shane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when he was the cowboy. But no, that was Curly Bill. He was Curly Bill then. He was Shane to go along with Gerald and Patrick. Just, you know, because we've got to twist that knife. 
I thought they were doing Shane like the cowboy movie Shane. Shane. <laughs> nobody was asking him. Nobody asked him to come back ever. Come no. back, Shane. Come back. It'd be more like the Ballad of Stains. Yeah. The Ballad of Stang. That would have been good. <laughs> the Ballad of Breadsticks. Yeah. God, this is just... It's a mess. It really is. What, there's 13 matches on here. What, like a two-hour show? (laughs) Like, you could book a good card from the talent that's on this show. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is like a Mad Libs (laughs) pay-per-view. I need an adjective. (laughs) Somebody give me an adjective. Kevin, give me an adjective. Play. (laughs) It's not an adjective, Kevin. (laughs) You got Jeff Jarrett and Dustin Rhodes. That could have been a much better match. Sting and Licks could have been a much longer match. I mean, Benoit and Jarrett could have been a longer match. Right. But he was mailing it in. I don't remember 99 Dustin Rhodes right off, but I can't imagine he was in great shape here. No. I believe he was wearing like a black sleeveless button-up shirt with like red leather pants. This is post seven. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. Was it pre or post seven? Yeah. Because God, that was a mess. He went back to natural. How great is it that these two are having a match on the Starcade? The guys who were just like, whoever will hire us, we'll go work there. Yeah. <laughs> Hope New York calls me back. <laughs> Which, yeah, by this time, Jeff is back for good. Right. Jeff is G, double O, double N, double E, goon. <laughs> <laughs> He was definitely persona non grata in New York at that point. Yeah. That was when he held him up with the China match, right? Yep. And, you know, Russo's here, so his bread's buttered. Yeah. So he's happy as can be. But That's why he's <laughs> wrestling in the semi-main event on a Starcade. Yeah, after wrestling the Bunkhouse Brawl match, four matches prior to that. Hey, did anybody pick up any of that Global Force gold? <laughs> no. I, like selling I gold. out on that one. It was like they're, when they started that Global Force wrestling promotion, they were selling fuck. It was like Santo Gold shit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly it was. <laughs> and on that note, we're not even going to talk about Starcade 2000. No, nah, um, no. Nah. I've got to look hard at least. Hang on. <laughs> so we're yeah. saying it's worse than this one? Uh, I had two matches written down. The Mike Awesome Bam Bam Bigelow match I watched. It was kind of ECW light. Right. Let's match. And then there's the three-way tag match with Three Count and Young Dragons and Evan Courageous and the Trailer Park Dude, Jamie Noble. Yeah. yeah. Trailer Park Dude. ECW like, isn't that like the same amount of blood but less hepatitis? Yes. <laughs> All the blood, none of that. Yeah. Everything was and like Three Count and the Young Dragons and everything. That was fun as shit. I love that stuff. Oh, the other guy, the blonde kid. More. Yeah, they were good. And then you have two Zaha specials on here. You have Chronic versus Big Vito and Reno. And you have the Filthy Animals versus Jeff Jarrett and the Harris Brothers. Uh, well, Terry uh, Funk defeated Crowbar in a DVP on a pole match. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we answered your question there, Mike. Yeah. Oh, man. Big Vito and Chronic tag match. Yeah, Big Vito and Reno, man. That's yeah. a. It really did used to be better. Emptying out the power plant and shit. <laughs> I mean, think earlier on, we were talking about the greatness of Brian Pillman and Barry Windham. Now we're talking about Big Vito and Reno. My, how the times have changed. And again, if you look at the talent on this card, you could craft a good pay-per-view. Yeah, but you can't make a good pay-per-view when fucking Hugh Morris is your U.S. heavyweight champion. And and, <laughs> and, and, and freaking Sid Vicious is in your main event in the year 2000. 
Ray and Kidman wasted in a match with the Harris brothers. You could have put them in that opening tag match and made it a four-way. Or you take the two of them and put them against Lance Storm and Elix Skipper. I mean, there's tons of matchups you could make from these guys and make it a fun show. And instead, you did this. It's not exactly a crime against humanity, but it's not far off. Yeah. But yeah, this was definitely in WCW's three steps back days. You know, they would take three steps back and then they would take three more steps back and then they would take three more steps back. They never took a step forward. They would lean that way occasionally. Like, oh, oh, oh. They didn't quite get that Skinnered sense. We give me three steps. They were going the yeah. wrong way. Yeah. They weren't going towards the door. They were They were going towards the, the cellar. Yeah, yeah. They were like, where's the basement of this place at? That's where we're going. We keep flushing money down the toilets. We're going to go down here and cut open the pipe, see if we can get some of it back. But they get down there, and all the time, Warner executives are down there with fucking vacuum cleaners sucking it all up. Well, this poor one out for WCW is a wonder why they went out of business. Shows like these, who needs competition? Yeah, and I mean, we have definitively proved the Hogan line is real. It does exist. It does. Because all these shows were pretty good until Hogan showed up. And then Starcade ends with not a bang, but a whimper. Yeah, this has been like an hour and a half funeral for WCW. And it's not even a whimper. It's Hogan. With control killed the company. I mean, it killed yeah. for everyone, sending everybody home. Yeah, it wasn't a final whimper. It was a three-year death rattle. <laughs> I mean, Hall and Nash sitting at home getting paid. Hogan at home getting paid. Savage at home getting paid. Fucking everybody, all your top guys are at home getting paid. And it's not like they're bullshit contracts. Multi-million dollar contracts. You're paying them to sit the fuck at home. That right there is an advertisement for Barry Blue. Yep. <laughs> you know? It's all about the waffles and the Wi-Fi. We give favored nations clauses to anyone. <laughs> like, And I don't remember. Was that something that they just offered Paul and Nash or did they was it like was it like the Dodgers and Otani like here let's try this we'll float this out there there's no way to go for it or not live in LA or live in California I think he has so the contract expires before he starts collecting the deferred money he's not in California by then so he can avoid their taxes but you really have to think it kind of boils down to Ted Ted didn't give a fuck about spending all that money dumping all that money in the WCW didn't mean shit to him it was barely a dent in his pocket but once he lost control of that yeah it was over yeah the merger with that was a bad deal but the problem was had at any point in time from 88 until whenever the first merger happened had they actually taken care of things and provided wcw with the revenue streams they should have had instead of using them as a loss leader for all your other departments they wouldn't have looked as bad they wouldn't have been hemorrhaging as much money because they weren't getting ad revenue. They weren't getting rights fees. They weren't getting um, their proper share for like the Turner Home Entertainment for the videos because that was going into Turner Home Entertainment, not WCW. Like it was straight up Hollywood accounting where we're just going to, every loss we can take, we're going to shove onto them and we're going to pull the profit from this company into these other divisions to make them look at, oh, they need camera operators. Who's the worst guy you've got over there for the NBA? Who's disgruntled? Let's send them over here. You know, I mean, they were treated, even though Turner loved WCW and what it had meant to his networks, they didn't treat WCW from the beginning in any kind of proper fashion as it should have existed as a division of Turner Broadcasting. Yeah. I mean, that's why every time somebody got put into being in charge of WCW, they were having to cut costs. It's because 
they weren't receiving the money they should have been receiving all along. That's why you had to count pencils and all of that. I mean, there was careless spending, obviously, but they weren't receiving all the revenue they should have received in the first place. Yeah. And really kind of just a few years later, you have to think that like each cable company is creating their own content then because they can make way more money. And here yep. they were with a fucking that same thing and they let it wither and die. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And if Turner had their own app, <laughs> which I'm sure they do. I mean, well, for I'm not even talking about streaming. I'm just talking about how but much I mean, cable content, you know. Yeah, but how much cable like, changed uh, in the 2000s? Yeah, like I, I mean, wonder if they have any rights to the Braves or the Hawks stuff since it was all on their network. Yeah, to Shipman. If they had an app with like all the old NBA All Star Weekend stuff from back in the day and stuff, I'd watch the shit out of that stuff. Yeah, I think that's probably all just owned by the leagues. I would imagine. Yeah, or the teams because what MLB owns the rights to all the broadcasts. Right, and I think the NBA's and even NFL is probably similar. They all have their own networks where they can show that stuff. Yeah, I mean they all have their own network. Had owned the Hawks and the Braves, didn't he? (laughs) He did. Yeah. Because when Jorge Gonzalez didn't work out for the Hawks, he became El Gigante. Yeah. <laughs> kind of supplement that contract a little bit. Yeah. Undertaker! Let's see how you look in a fucking laser tag outfit, pal. Yeah. They had like a 6'8 or 6'10 Russian power forward at one point that it was too late in the game to bring in Russians because he would have been great as Nikita's muscle because he couldn't play basketball very well in the NBA. You could have made him German and he could have come in with Alex Wright. Well, it was in between there. It was Uh, with Berlin. He could have been come out with Berlin. Remember uh, Kurgan from the Truth Commission? Oh, God. Yeah, Kurgan in the oddities was much better. It all comes back to ICP, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, always. (laughs) For all my juggalos and juggalettes. He doesn't seem to be searching out the freaks anymore. Yeah, but poor WCW. We could sit here and talk about it for days how we could have saved wcw but it all goes back to hogan you just never hire hogan to begin with yep well that's definitely the last point at which you could save it yeah i mean it could have never even got to wcw and been saved if you know dusty had been replaced as booker and finances were kept track of and you also have to think it was a time too where everything was kind of going to shit for wrestling wcw 93 so great but they weren't drawing nobody was drawing yeah, hell, they had WrestleMania at the Hartford Civic Center. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a 10,000-seater. But got to do what you got to do, right? 13 was at the Rosemont Horizon. And I think it was like maybe 13, 14,000, something like that. Yeah. Full house, but not a big house. Well, poor WCW, poor Starcade. It deserved better. It did. It definitely did. Yeah, it just it never felt like a big show, really. Well, they had the opportunity with the Sting Hogan in 97, but they shat the bed. And that killed not only Starcade but the company, too, really. It was the beginning of the end. I mean, legit, that felt like the biggest show in the history of WCW. It did. It truly did, man. It's just another case of WCW fucking up a pay-per-view. And then again, this is where WWF was shifting gears and they're getting hotter. Oh, yeah. They never looked back. Nope. Yeah, because Brett's gone. They could have handled that Brett situation a lot better. Brett could have handled the Brett situation a lot better. But I think to not have Brett on the next night is a big kind of fuck you. <laughs> they had that money, right? They could have said, Brett, just, we'll give you a million dollars. We know you want to take some time off. Just shut the fuck up tonight. We'll give you a hot mic. You can say whatever you want, and then you can leave. That's how they do business, brother. Yeah, we'll give you a sign-in bonus just to come down here and do this. 
please. In the way that Vince breached the contract, the whole 90-day waning period, no compete thing would probably be waived. Well, the deal was pretty much after Survivor Series, it was over for Brett. He was done, and he'd already planned on going on vacation or something like that. But yeah, he should have. But it's almost kind of good that he didn't because he did go to like the newspapers and say that he didn't really lose that title, that he never really won. So <laughs> maybe giving him a live microphone the next night would have <laughs> would have been a bad idea. It would have been a stroke of genius. So many thanks to Travis for being on and discussing the life and death of the once mighty Starcade. And, you know, we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of laughs. Unfortunately, last laugh was on WCW because you heard us talk about how it ended. Want to give a, another big thank you to Travis for coming and hanging out with us, sir. Thanks for taking time out of your evening. It's no problem. I appreciate you guys having me on. You know, we'll have you back for the big Battle Bowl Spectacular at some point. Absolutely. I'm pumped about that. We're going to tell you about a few of our friends that help us out, and we like to help them out. Yeah, definitely want everybody to check out our friend Shoreline Gems on Facebook. Now is the perfect opportunity for everybody to check them out and support them as a small business in the holiday season. Check out their unique, one-of-a-kind, handmade beach glass jewelry pieces. Definitely want to support them, so go check them out at Shoreline Gems on Facebook. And we also would like you to check out our friends on the What's the Vibe podcast with Katie and Amy. We want you to check them out wherever you podcast and on YouTube especially. Their show is great. Very funny, very engaging. They're awesome girls and they have an amazing show. So definitely check them out wherever you podcast and on YouTube. And we also would like for you to check out our buddy Stephen Rafel's daughter Taylor and her band Luna Worldcast at LunarWorldcast.com. Courtesy of Megafauna Records. Definitely check them out. Become a member of their Patreon and you can live stream all of their gigs and you also get 15% off of their merch when you're a patron. So definitely support our friend Taylor and her band Luna Worldcast at LunaWorldcast.com courtesy of Megafauna Records. We'd also like you to check out our buddy Jason D'Agostino and his buddy Dave at Not Another Sports Podcast wherever you podcast and on YouTube. Support our buddy Dags and Dave and check out their merch too at the T Public storefronts. So get out there, support our buddy Dags. I want to give shout outs to our brothers and Cause Chaos, Stephen Burho, everybody's big brother, and our little brother down in Florida, Florida man himself. Little brother to big brother, I guess. Shard, Shard Johnson, keep getting better, you guys. We love you, man. Get back on the road again. And we love you guys. Love you guys. We have a store. It's an exciting store, T Public. It has all kinds of designs that are amazing, hilarious, and also very innovative. We have tote bags. We have stickers. We have hoodies. We have magnets. We have snow globes where you can put your loved one's face inside. All right, one of those things isn't true, but I wish we could someday when the store gets bigger. But the T Public store is. The other ship, all you have to do is put the other ship in and it'll pop up. Um, I give you a little warning sign like, are you sure you want to look at these designs? They're disturbing. Not really. For the most part, we're rocking and rolling. A lot of cool stuff. My point being is, it's a fun store, it's a good time. And please, if you guys want to support us, you know, maybe you don't have a lot of money for the store right now, and that's okay. But please, anywhere you listen to us on any platform, please like, rate, and especially subscribe, because the more support we get, the more we kind of get to pulling over on that old Rye Bizzle brother, because screw him and his guy just won't shut the hell up today, because he's so jealous to see him punk. It's weird and disturbing, but I still watch it, so I give that little... 
that freaking jerking audience sometimes. So let's get one over on him because we're always beating him in the podcast ratings. So suck it right, Bizzle. All right. To follow up on what Bill said, you know, rate, subscribe, all that stuff's awesome. Even if you don't listen to us on Spotify, if you could go to Spotify and follow us on Spotify, once we reach a certain level of followers there, then we can start generating some ad revenue through Spotify. But we have to hit a certain number of followers. So if you don't have money to buy anything from the store, and again, we make very little from T Public. They give us a, a fraction of a piece of the sales price. And since there's always a sale, our cut's always reduced because they only pay us a decent amount for regular priced items. But the biggest thing you could do for us is go over to Spotify and follow us there so that we can get to that benchmark number and start generating some ad revenue. We want to sell out, but we need your help. (laughs) Exactly. The other thing you could do for us, if you want to give us some kind of a gift in the holiday season, recommend a friend or two to check out the show. Pick one of your favorite episodes, recommend to them, have them check it out, see if they like it. Maybe we gain some more listeners. But we also want to remind you to check out our great friends, the Josephines at thejosephines.net. Get all your tour information, buy an album, buy a CD, buy some merch. It's cold out there, buy you a Josephines hoodie. What could be better than that? We also want to remind you to check out our good friend, Hot Rod, Rodney Swift, and his wife over on YouTube at It's Mr. and Mrs. Swift 2017. They're doing a music re-reaction series right now sharing some songs that have meaning to them why they have that meaning so check that out we want to remind you to check out the wrestlecopia family of podcasts the memory grenade the monday warfare podcast the newly added memphis cast done by a guy out of england i believe the new wrestling stoop with bob roop show that's doing good numbers for them and then the two regional wrestling podcasts with everybody's favorite Favorite Uncle Jamie doing the 81 Georgia Championship show with Ray Russell and the 1986 Mid-South show that Roman Gomez does with Ray Russell. So check all of those out. We also want you to look into buying tickets to Glory Days GrappleCon taking place April 20th, 2024 at the Rosen Center in Orlando, Florida. Barry Rose and the Captain Nick Massey of Captain's Corner, check him out on Facebook, are putting on an amazing event They have a world-class championship wrestling panel discussion taking place, moderated by the great Mark Lawrence, ring announcer from World Class, involving Missy Hyatt, the one-man gang, Brian Adias, Jack Victory, Al Perez, and possibly more names to come. This is going to be an amazing event. You don't want to miss out. You can go to eventbrite.com. Look for Glory Days GrappleCon. Buy your tickets. They have three or four levels of tickets, depending on if you just want to show up and check things out. If you want the full package where you can get all the autographs, all the pictures, hear the panel discussion, anything that's going on. So check those tickets out, and we hope to see you there, because I think we will all be there in April. So come and see us. MC Uncle Jamie, MC Benji and Diggy, MC a whole host of Tim Graff that was just on our great Thanksgiving episode. A whole bunch of people have heard of. Yeah, Dr. The Doctor of Style, Philip Kahn, will be there styling and profiling like no other. Frankie and Jana. Frankie and Jana. Maybe Mama Khan will make the trip this time. Just a whole host of great people that if you haven't met them before, you'll want to get a chance to meet these folks and hang out with them for a couple of days. So check out Glory Days GrappleCon on Facebook. You can check their, the actual Glory Days GrappleCon group. You can check our group for information. Follow the Captain Nick Massey because he does all kinds of virtual signings with wrestling talent. Check out the tickets on eventbrite.com and check the Rosen Center for hotel reservations. 
That's April 20th, 2024. I want to give a shout out to my good friend, Frankie Seacrest. Keep getting better, buddy. Can't wait to see you in April. It's going to be a good time. You just keep healing up and getting better. Same thing for our good friends, Bruce and Cindy Cohen. I know they're going to be there, Bruce. You just keep chugging along on the road to recovery. You're doing an amazing job, and we can't wait to see you guys. All right. And where does all the fun happen besides the show? In our Facebook group, 284 members strong as of this recording. And we're fans of everybody. We enjoy everybody being there. It doesn't matter, you know, what your wrestling beliefs are, what your, as long as you're not an asshole, we like you. We don't mind if you can't hear a dump truck driving through a nitroglycerin plant. We're cool like that. You know, I mean, we're just, we're a funny squeaky noise. The blessing. (laughs) Just come join us, you know, just be part of the fun, the extension of fun that is the show. And if you like the show, come join us in there and be cool and hang out. Recommend us to your friends. You know, we'd love to see 300 before the end of 2023. So let's make that happen. As we always say, thank you for listening. Happy holidays to you. And we will see you next time. We'll see you soon. And if I could quote Bobby Blaze, season's greetings, motherfuckers. Without getting high